Hello, and welcome to the County Conversation, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts from the Fairfax County government discussing programs, services, and items of interest to residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Jim Person, and on this edition of The Conversation, we'll talk with Chris Schaff of the Fairfax County Fire and Rescue Department about Virginia Task Force 1, often called VATF-1, and also the team's recent deployment to Nepal. Chris, thanks for uh, being with us on The Conversation. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're with the Fairfax County Fire and Rescue Department, so let's talk a little bit about that. Have you always, in your adult life, been with fire and rescue and public safety? I have. I started as a volunteer in the county oh, wow. um, when I was home from college in the uh, late 80s, uh, and I've been with the department now for 27 years. Wow. Young guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was it that uh, interested you about fire and rescue department? Uh, you know, I got into it, um, like I said, when I was home from college, yeah. just something to kill time in the summer. A friend of mine was volunteering at Dunloring and, and invited me to see what it was about. And once I got bit by the bug, right, I, I right. just took it up and have been with it since. Okay. And I think you uh, are a battalion chief with the fire and rescue department. Correct. Obviously, you didn't start there. Right. What, what does a fire uh, fireman, firewoman, firefighter, mm-hmm. what do they kind of where do they start at and then where did you go from there? Sure, I started in rookie school in 1989. Um, came out of rookie school as a firefighter and went to uh, Richmond Highway was my first assignment uh, mm. Station 9. Uh, shortly after that went to paramedic school. Um, ended up transferred to McLean after that and spent most of the rest of my career on the on the western side of the county mm. um, and then uh, eventually worked into the office spot right. in mid-2005, 2006. Uh, so went from sergeant to lieutenant, captain, captain two, which is a station commander, um, and then up to battalion chief. Okay. All right. So is it normal for firefighters, uh, fire personnel to move from different stations or different areas of the county, or does that come with promotion opportunities, et cetera? Yeah, kind of. Uh, it's the standard. You get yeah. a few years at a station before you choose a specialty and move to another you know, gotcha. station, or okay. you find someone or someone you like to work with, and as they move, you kind of try and trail behind them. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So you've moved up through the ranks to battalion chief. Mm-hmm. When did you get involved with Virginia Task Force One? Um, I became part of Virginia Task Force One in 2000, early 2008. Okay. Um, as the uh, plans uh, person, so tech info and plans yeah. uh, was a specialty I was uh, hired on in, and then worked in that division um, up until 2011 when I was appointed um, to program manager. Okay. Okay. Before we get too far in, I want to make sure we kind of talk about Virginia Task Force One and, and actually what it is, because sure. I know a lot of folks listening right now are, are familiar with it, but then on the other hand, there's probably a lot that aren't. It's my understanding it's an urban search and rescue team? Correct. Okay. What, yep. what does that mean? So our urban search and rescue team, our specialty is um, removing people from... Um, heavily entombed positions and uh, heavily reinforced concrete. Uh, so concrete that has steel mm. or rebar reinforcement in it. Uh, that's our specialty. So mm. we do water rescues. Uh, we do a high angle rescue. We can do just about any type of rescue there is um, to be done from mm. some type of collapsed structure or a precarious position. All right. Now that's the Fairfax Fairfax County Fire and Rescue has search, uh, search and rescue as well as then a specialized Virginia yep. Task Force One. We so do. How, yep. does, how does that how does that work? Yep. So inside Fairfax County, um, the citizens have the um, 
benefit of having what we call the technical rescue operations team mm. uh, inside the county. Okay. There's um, stations that are assigned those specialties and people that are uh, specialists in those positions inside the county. Those are also the people that we pull over to the task force uh, for when we deploy. So they're part of our 210-person team on the USAR team. Uh, so you have the benefit of having them in the county, and then we take them with us when we go overseas. Okay, and USAR? Yep, is the Urban Search and okay, Rescue. Okay, yep. abbreviation, abbreviation yep, for, for Urban okay, Search and Rescue. Okay. So Fairfax County Fire and Rescue has um, trained personnel on an everyday basis. Yep. Like you said, swift water rescue. Hazmat. Okay, a lot of different specialties yep. to, to help the residents when needed. Right. But then there's this Virginia Task Force 1, and I guess, uh, why is it 1? I mean, is it the first one in Virginia? Uh, yep, Virginia uh, Task Force 2 is Virginia Beach. Oh, okay. So we're 1 in there, too. Okay, okay. How do I mean, how many are there in Virginia? Uh, there there's two just or? two. Oh, okay. Yep, so okay. Virginia 2 is a domestic team. Um, only, oh, okay. and there's only two international teams, uh, us and L.A. County. Okay. So the, there's 28 teams inside the United States sponsored by FEMA, um, and Virginia, too, is one of those 28. Okay. So this is a federally funded uh, urban search and rescue or, or task force or, or, or team or whatever mm -hmm. that pulls personnel from Fairfax County's yeah. Fire and Rescue Department. Right. Okay. So that raises kind of an interesting question, or one that folks always seem to ask, is money. Yep. So, <laughs> so, yeah. so if, you know, you guys are flying all off all over right. the world, you know, international travel, I'm, you yep. know, on the taxpayer's dime, I'm sure, sure you're just, you know, luxurious accommodations and all kinds <laughs> right. of stuff. Best of the that tents was, you that, can get. That was sarcastic, by the way. <laughs> but that's not being paid by Fairfax County? Correct. The team's funded um, by two different partners, federal partners. Um, OFTA, Office of Foreign Disaster Assistance, um, which uh, we work for USAID, and the, then on the domestic side, it's for FEMA. Okay. So if we're deployed for a domestic event, a hurricane or a terrorist event or a hazmat event somewhere inside the United States, that's picked up by FEMA. And if we go outside of the country, like we did in Nepal, the funding for that also um, comes from the federal government, but it comes from mm -hmm. OFTA or USAID. Mm -hmm. Now, you said Virginia Task Force 1, based here in Fairfax County, primarily an international team, or, or it's designated as can-go international? Yep, it's one of the two in the U.S. that can go internationally. Okay, and the other being in California, I Correct. guess, I think you said. So uh -huh. one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, yep. maybe because flying times are closer from yep. one part of the Asia country? Asia-Pacific region, and then we cover the Americas region, so okay. um, just kind of where we spend our time with exercises and training. Uh, we can support anywhere in the world, as we mm. do. Um, L.A. can do the same, uh, but is geographically uh, right. located. Okay. And you mentioned the um, uh, Virginia Task Force 2 was somewhere else in Virginia? Uh, Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach, that's right. And they're a domestic team, but that, that doesn't preclude Fairfax County's team from doing domestic as well. Correct. We're still one of the 28 domestic right. teams. So how, do, how does the determination made then, say it's a domestic event, Now I want to talk about the Nepal sure. response here shortly as well, but something happens within the United States, say, how is it determined that they'll call Fairfax County, VATF1, or uh, Virginia Beach, right. team number two. Yep, so there's no notice events, and then there's notice events. Uh, for no notice event, it's the closest task forces mm. um, that would be deployed. So if something happened in Fairfax County, uh, VATF1 most likely wouldn't deploy because it's in our home jurisdiction. So we'd get VATF2 right. and probably Montgomery County um, team coming over. So it's based off of geographic location. 
and then after that it's a rotation model. So oh, if okay. the teams were to work long periods of time and need rotation, then it's set up on a rotation to ensure all mm -hmm. 28 teams, you know, stay engaged in the gotcha. game. Gotcha. So Fairfax County, I, I guess a question, how how in the world did Fairfax County's, you know, technical uh, response teams and experts and all that, great fire department, great personnel, how did Fairfax County get to be Virginia Task Force One sure, or, yeah. or have this task force designation? Yeah, after the earthquake in Mexico in the late 80s, um, Virginia Task Force One or Fairfax County, um, being close with the federal government, um, sent people to work on th mm. that earthquake. Okay. After that, the United States um, Agency for International Development, USAID, uh, worked with the federal government and determined there was a need to have some type of more of a specialty team mm. that can deploy around the world, not just pulling people haphazardly right, together. Right, right. So that's how the team was developed, uh, and now it's just progressed over the years to what we are today. Okay, so started in the 80s and mm -hmm. has moved on, and I'm assuming that there, you mentioned training, is it just the training that's received as a Fairfax County Fire and Rescue personnel or the specialty training for that position, or are there federal federal yeah. trainings that go yeah, into this Yeah, lots of federal training that's mm. required. So from the time you get on to the time you become deployable takes about a year oh, wow. to get just through that training. Hmm. Uh, and then you're sent to specialty schools based off of what you pick uh, or what you're hired as. Uh, and then there's quarterly training, there's maintenance of all your wow. training. So it's a lot of training. Uh, that that these members take you mm -hmm. know part in, and the training's uncompensated as well. So um, it has to be really a desire and passion of the people oh, on yeah. the team to want to do this. So I was going to ask. So I assume it's um, personal choice, personal pride, uh, 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 just a a feeling of wanting to be able to help and be a part of something special, to be a part of the task force. Yep, it's a volunteer organization, if you will. So okay. it's not part of your fire department job. Um, hmm. You're not required to do it, um, and the fire department doesn't uh, uh, impact what you do on the team. So you can come and go, you know, at the leisure, you know, of program management. Right. Um, but that's the beauty of it is you can start whenever you want and you can stop whenever you want with no impact to your job. Right. Okay. And it's it, it, this. I mean, I, I didn't really have an idea. Two hundred and ten person team. You said. Right. I mean, that's a lot of people. Yep. So. It is. Um, volunteer type of thing but the team is full it's full yep we um, do a hiring process um, every other year wow. uh, and right now we just brought on um, roughly 20 people mm. so through retirements and um, people choosing different career paths and different you know goals mm -hmm. over a two-year period we usually end up with somewhere around 15 vacancies every two years that's not many uh, no and then we have for the positions that we just filled, we had over 100 applicants for those. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, that's something folks yeah, want. No, no want shortage. We have yeah. a lot of people move to Fairfax County Fire Rescue from across the U.S. just to try and get on to Virginia 1. Wow. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So what do all these people do? I mean, you mentioned that you started uh, in the planning area. Right. So what are some examples of, of jobs or tasks that mm -hmm. these 200 plus people will be doing? Yep, so we have um, search specialists and their job is to go out and actually find if there's somebody trapped. Okay. Uh, okay. Once they find somebody, they use um, listening devices. We have canines, um, cameras. Once they find somebody or, or the potential for somebody being there, then the rescue specialist would come in behind them and actually do um, the debriding and the um, drilling and the digging to try and find that person and get them out. Mm. Uh, we have medical specialists that obviously need to treat that patient. 
um, as well as take care of the team while we're gone. Uh, we have physicians on the team, uh, engineers, so they can determine whether structures are safe or you know how much jeopardy they are you know in of coming down while we're working. Heavy riggers uh, that use the heavy equipment to move mm. you know large pieces of equipment. Hazardous materials specialists uh, you know that monitor the environment for us to make sure that it's safe. Um, and then nothing happens without logistics. Uh, the logistics is a huge portion of what we do with the amount of equipment that we move and the amount of team members and how we do it. So mm -hmm. logistics is a big specialty as well. Mm. I'm, I'm guessing because of the international travel, there's um, certain medical things that team members have to always maybe have certain shots or inoculations yep. or, or things and kind of on a regular basis? Yep, we have uh, all of your immunizations have to be up to date. Yeah. Uh, so if you're not up to date, you're non-deployable. Mm. Uh, so it doesn't uh, take long for members to realize to keep up all their certifications yeah. in yeah. order to be able to get out the door. And this, like you uh, no notice events, it's kind of like something happens, uh, you get the call and, you know, I'm assuming you're you're not sitting around waiting for a day or two, you're immediately going into action, starting right. kind of stuff. Is there a, um, like a set period of time that the team is like supposed to respond mm -hmm. within a certain amount of time? Yep. So from the time we get an activation order from either federal partner, we have from that activation order to the time we're at our point of departure, be it uh, Dover Air Force Base in Delaware where we left for Nepal, Dulles Airport or anywhere else, you have six hours. So wow. you have to get everybody in, get them all through check-in. Um, and then if you're going to Dover, you've got a three-hour drive. Oh, so, wow. so it's three hours pretty, already. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty quick turnaround. So that's clothes, equipment. You mentioned logistics. Yep. I mean, do you like? You mentioned tents earlier as well. Do you carry your own tents and yep. sleeping? We carry everything ourselves, so we're completely self-sufficient for 14 plus days in country. Food, food, water, everything. Wow. So. Um, the team carries a 72-hour pack with them, so they're self-sufficient for the first 72 hours. Okay. So they'll come in, they'll they'll get their immunizations checked, their passports checked. Uh, they'll move through issuance of medical check. Then they'll go to um, communications, get radios issued to them, have their bags checked for equipment to make sure it's good, um, and then get rostered onto the team. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a pretty quick-moving process, but but very deliberate in what we do. All right. So let's. I want to move into the response to the Nepal earthquake with Chris Schaff of Fairfax County's Fire and Rescue Department talking about Virginia Task Force 1 and going to talk about that deployment to Nepal. It's just a tragic situation back in late April, um, earthquake, but then a, a, another major aftershock uh, several weeks later, uh, but I think like over 8,000 killed, over 23,000 injuries, 7.8 magnitude earthquake. What were you doing that day when you got the call or when you got the notice that, hey, we need to go to Nepal? Yeah, we were actually um, conducting our full-scale exercise. Oh, well. Wow. <laughs> so we were right in the middle of that. It had started on Thursday evening, uh, and we had worked all day Friday at our training center um, for a simulated earthquake in Peru. So the team was mm. fully engaged in operations at our training site. Um, when the notice came in at 3 o'clock in the morning on Saturday mm. of the earthquake. And then within a few hours, we were shutting down the exercise and headed back to the deployment center uh, and getting ready to leave. Okay. So Saturday, 3 a.m., you get the call. So if I understand six hours, meaning by 9 a.m. Saturday morning, you guys should be leaving yep. or well, moving? Yep, or we got the call at 3 o'clock. The earthquake happened at 3, and it okay. was... By the time the decision had been made between the um, 
uh, Nepalese government and the United States government and the participating agencies, the sponsoring agency chief being the fire chief um, and USAID. It was about a, another three hours before okay. that a decision had been made that they actually needed uh, urban search and rescue resources. Okay. So, so around 6 a.m. or yep. so. So yep. technically noonish, you guys would be yep, we on the road or ready to go to Dover. Yeah. Wow. So I'm. I mean, all this food, all this supply. You mentioned logistics. I mean, uh, I'm assuming there's already s stuff in storage or available. It's not like you can just go grocery shopping at the drop of right. a hat. Yeah, we have a warehouse that's uh, pretty well stocked. Fifty-nine thousand pounds worth of equipment's what we travel with. Wow. Um, and enough food for the team, enough water for the team. Um, sleeping you know we sleep in tents we take all our own comms gear um all our own you know cots sleeping mm -hmm. bags um your own change of clothes showers um everything's self-sufficient and wow. self-contained and we load it up and go so how long was the flight how long did it take to get to nepal um a little over 20 hours total we left from here um and went to cutter and uh had a brief layover in cutter uh, before transitioning to nepal so mm -hmm. we took a c-17 um, out of Dover and straight to Qatar and then um, refueled, mm -hmm. did some um, logistics stuff there, and then on to Nepal we went. Mm -hmm. So a little over 20 hours total. Right. So you land in Nepal. Do you walk off the plane and start working? Yep. Well, really? Yep. As soon as you get off the plane, we put groups out to start doing their recon. Um, you check in the country. You know, it's set up through the United Nations Disaster Assessment Coordination um, teams so it's a, a, a reception center if you will mm -hmm. they're anticipating that you're showing they already know we're coming it's not a surprise right, that right. the u.s has landed right um, they check in uh, with the team they give us our location where we need to work and we start putting teams out the door while the rest of the team starts building a base camp and start getting mm -hmm. everything offloaded from the aircraft all this equipment and everything does that include trucks and jeeps and things to bring to move the equipment or are you relying on the government there to have transportation equipment. Yep, for Nepal, we relied on the U.S. Embassy there. Uh, so we reach out um, prior to departure from here and see what the resources are gotcha. there. Um, and they had the resources for us to move. So yeah. quicker for us to move without our trucks mm -hmm. in, in this event. Yeah. Um, but we do travel with trucks, you know, box trucks and mm -hmm. uh, tractor trailers. Wow. You know, onto a C-5, we can do that right. as well. You mentioned canines part of this group. I'm assuming that's a pretty big part of the group since they're trained dogs to for search and rescue? Yeah, we took uh, six dogs with us. Uh, we have 15 dogs total on the team. Wow. Um, and two years ago, we started a program in Fairfax County where we actually have dogs living in the stations with their handlers now. Oh, so we take advantage of that for uh, missing persons or lost persons yeah. in the county. We send our dogs uh, to assist w uh, with the police department in searching for them. Uh, we also have human remains dogs that are able to detect human remains. Mm -hmm. uh, so our dog program, our canine program is uh, pretty robust right now. Mm -hmm. So you guys hit the ground running, so to speak, when you land in Nepal. What, I mean, kind of walk us through that first day or two, Chris. I mean, what, what were your visions, your memories? What did you see? What was, what were you feeling? What was it like? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a busy environment. It's hectic, you know, lots of little aftershocks taking place. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, um, general population there has been displaced for the most part and living in tent cities that they construct throughout the town. Uh, our team's busy doing assessments on the structures and trying to gather as much intel as we can based off of what the locals are telling you, mm -hmm. uh, you know, where people could be trapped. Right. Um, first couple of days, you spend a lot of time. Uh, teams out, you know, pounding the pavement, you know, doing recon and, and assessments of those structures. But um, for the command and control element, it's a lot of coordination to make sure that all the teams coming into that country are working 
off the same sheet of music yeah. so that we're not overlapping each other and, right. and missing stuff. So right. first couple of days, you know, it's really getting there, everybody on the same page and, and moving forward, and, and then it just continues from there. Mm-hmm. And there were a ton of international resources and aid that were sent to Nepal. So I'm, I'm sure that was just, you see teams yep. and other uh, governments and people from other yep. countries just everywhere. Yeah, and everything gets sectored. Um, so the towns, the villages, Kathmandu itself okay. gets sectorized. And then USA 1 would be given a sector, USA 2 would be given, gotcha. uh, the Chinese team would be given a sector, and that way you're ensuring you're not you know, duplicating efforts. Right. Okay. Um, devastating situation, but I think you guys were involved in at least one rescue? Two rescues. Two rescues. Yep. So that's mm-hmm. got to be the the highlight or the high point or, you know, it's kind of like this is why we're here kind of thing. Yep. You know, everybody trains long periods of time to go over and, and make rescues, you know, and and uh, being able to rescue a 15-year-old boy and assist the Nepalese armed forces that were involved in that rescue as well. Uh, it's that satisfaction for the team that everything they've done now leads up to the, the success of actually rescuing somebody. Yeah, yeah. And I think... Um, if I'm not mistaken, the team was actually scheduled to come home after a couple of weeks. Is that kind of a normal deployment, a couple of week period? Yeah, 14 days yeah. for you know a deployment is is pretty standard for yeah. us. Um, you know, and then the second earthquake, you know, hit right. and that extended our our time there. So you got to stay a little bit yeah, longer. Stay a little longer, and uh, but we were able to rescue another person from wow. the second earthquake. Yeah. Uh, so so that was worth it. So we were able to do. Yeah. Uh, Two rescues, you know, and that doesn't sound like a lot, uh, you know, considering numbers. Two people. Unless it's your family member, yeah. you know, then it sounds like it's all worth it. And yeah. to our team members, whether it's one or a hundred, it's all worth it. Yeah. Do you have any sense of, of the scope of, of all the teams and people that were there? How many rescues were made total? I don't have that information myself. I know yeah. um, at our briefings at night, um, from the sectors, people would give the information gotcha. of how many people were rescued from their sectors, and I can tell you all the teams were busy in their sectors. Yeah. Uh, so there were rescues being made, you awesome. know, throughout yeah. the villages and throughout Kathmandu. Yeah, awesome. I, I, it's just so fascinating. Unfortunately, we're we're pretty close on our amount of time, and there's so many more things I feel like I could <laughs> ask you and we could talk about. Is there is there anything I haven't asked you that you feel is really important for our listeners to know about Virginia Task Force One, the team, or or your deployment and the most recent deployment to Nepal? Uh, you know what, it's easy. Everybody always talks about the team that goes away, you know, and, the, you know, the efforts we put into in another country. What I always like to make sure people don't forget is the the team members that stay behind, you know, and the mm. firefighters and paramedics on the street that cover our spots while we're gone. That's a good point. Um, and take care of our families while we're gone. You know, you leave your family for three weeks. Uh, we have a robust family support team that watches after the family members mm. of the team that's deployed. Uh, you know, and then we can't say enough for our senior leadership and for the county government that supports us, you know, why we're gone. And most importantly, the, the team members and the firefighters that do fill our slots while we're gone. That's a big burden on them. I was going to say, yeah, because did, did the full 210 team um, roughly? We took go? 57 people. Okay. So it was a medium-sized team okay. is what we took. Um, but that's 57 slots 57 every day that need that to be filled. To be done, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a big commitment mm-hmm. on everybody's part. Yep, everybody's it part. is. And one point I also want to make sure we mention is, again, you, you hit it earlier, but I know this question is asked all the time, is who pays for all this? So yep. I just want to make sure we sure. hit yep. that again. The federal government pays the bill for this. So uh, the advantage Fairfax County gets is you get the um, extra training that the members have on the streets and the expertise uh, of this elite group. 
on the street riding the fire trucks and the medics every day, mm-hmm. uh, and it costs Fairfax County nothing. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, if folks want to get more information, if they want to, uh, you know, move here to Fairfax right. County yeah. to be part of the fire and rescue to try to be on Virginia Task Force One, is there a is there a web page, a website, is there a telephone number? Yep, I mean, uh, we have a website, so you can go to vatf1.org, www.vatf1.org. Um, and it gives the history of the team. Uh, you can also track us while we're on missions. Oh, cool. Um, so you can kind of keep up to date with what we're doing and where we're at. Uh, so that's usually the best. There's all the information on there. If you want to get in touch with yeah. someone from the task force, there's phone numbers on there as well. Okay, awesome. Chris, thanks so much for being with us on sure. the conversation. Uh, it's just a fascinating conversation. Like I said, I wish I could go on because i got, you know, <laughs> 20 more minutes worth of questions right. I could ask. But yeah, uh, thanks for maybe having we'll us. do round two some other time. Great, thank all you. All right. Thanks for uh, you, too, being with us on the County Conversation today and listening in as we chat with Chris Schaff of the Fairfax County Fire and Rescue Department about Virginia Task Force One and the team's recent deployment to Nepal. County Conversation is produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia government. We thank you for listening.